I want to look at Psalm 118 today. I called it God's Enduring Love, and I felt that sounds an awful lot like a Janet Oakey title. Do you know who Janet Oakey is, by the way? No? Good for you. That's a, that's a blessing. But uh, I, I applaud you. In this psalm, in the early beginning, there's a repetitive phrase. It says, for his steadfast love endures forever. And it's good to get into habits at times. Um, I was reminded this morning that this is the fourth Sunday with this shirt. (laughs) I like it. I do wear a few others during the week, but uh, sure appreciated that reminder. <laughs> you may see it for a few more weeks. <laughs> I'm not guaranteeing a thing, but um, I've, I've made it a habit over the last few years. Every morning when uh, we sit down, to, or Shar and I have the privilege of having breakfast together. It's more of a privilege for me than it is for her because it's early when we get up. And, um, but I say, thank you for this good day. And it's like trying to set the course of, of my day with the thought that this is a good day in the Lord. And I think that there are habits like that that are extremely valuable to set, in a sense, set our minds in saying, this is really what I believe, and this is what I'm going to embrace for this day, no matter what the day looks like, whether it's a banner day or whether it's a disaster day, it's still a good day in the Lord. And so in this psalm, there are some repetitive lines like this, his steadfast love endures forever. And and it gets translated different ways. Um, some translations say loyal love. Uh, I think in the older translations it came out, his mercy endures forever. Um, he's kind, always, and merciful. It, it's, it's, it's just this concept, like we share today, we say God is good. All the time, God is good. You know, we, we, we talk about a loving God, and we say that his character is loving, and so Whatever we're participating in in life, and when we go to approach him, we know that we're approaching a loving God. And so that's, that's kind of what was carried on through this. And so uh, in the second and, and third verses is, let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. And then in this repetitive poetic form that they used, they would hone it in a little more and they'd say, Let the house of Aaron say, or let the priest say, basically, his steadfast love endures forever. So they, they, you know, their form is such that they're they're writing it and they're making kind of a general statement, and then they define it even a little more as as they walk through. And this is common for their writing. But again, it's something that we're going, okay, we know what he's talking about. Do we truly embrace it? Uh, In the fourth verse. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. 
It's interesting you brought up fear this morning. Um, I like seeing these two words in the same sentence because there's been a lot of chatter. You know, you know, we take one verse, perfect love casts out all fear, and then we start to apply it all, and then we say, no, we can't fear God because, it, well, there is a reverence and an awe that can be held at the same time as a love. And we see that in family life. I mean, if you're doing it right, I mean, if, if your kids respect and fear you slightly, however that works, I said for you to do this, and I meant it. And then they're going to say, do you really mean it? Yeah. <laughs> and whatever it takes to ensure that they know that you mean it, you are training them for maturity. You're teaching them what needs to be learned so that they can be successful in life. You, you have set your course of saying, whatever it takes to get this child into a healthy place, that's what I'm going to do. And they, on the other hand, are beginning to go, well, I don't necessarily want to do this, but I don't want the consequences enough that I'm going to do that until... And then later on, there's an understanding that says, oh yeah, that makes sense. Don't touch the hot stove. Well, they want to touch it. You know, and it doesn't matter what you say, there's going to be a pushback. Well, in the Lord, there's a similar relationship. There's a reason we call him Father God. And, but with that, there's an understanding that says his approach to me still is in love. As a parent, you're not laying down rules because you're just saying, hey, let's see how I can make them miserable today. That's, that's not the goal. Well, it might be some days, but it, it shouldn't be, right? Um, but in that, there's this awareness that he loves me no matter what the circumstance is. He loves me no matter what's going on in this moment. And he is continuing to invest in a good way in my life. And so this repetitive phrase is coming out, his steadfast love endures forever. In other words, whenever the beginning began and whenever the ending ends, it's been a pattern of love all the way through. The eternal idea that it... That's who he is, and so it's not going to change. It says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. So even in tough times, there's this awareness that God was there. I, uh, I look at that, and I'm going, what a wondrous thing to trust the Lord even in distress and say there is going to come a freedom moment. There's going to come a time when this is past, and I can trust his steadfast love even in it. The Lord is on my side. It's interesting. We've gotten so correct in how we treat the Lord. Oftentimes we're afraid to say, well, actually, I'm on God's side. You know, we make it real spiritual. The psalmist didn't get caught up in that. and just said, thankfully, God's on my side. And I, I kind of like being able to hang on to that and say, 
He's on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord's on my side, my helper. So it's not only me just participating. He's my helper. And I shall look and triumph on those who hate me. So he's, he's making this declaration and just saying, God's with me in this. He's protecting me. He's caring for me. He is my salvation. And in a sense, that's a, a much wider idea than, than just the save from my sins, but, you know, because that's all inward, right? But saved in life, saved in every situation. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So again, that repetitive idea says, better than trusting in, man, better than trusting in leaders. It's just better than anything you pick out in this life, trusting in the Lord. Here's an, an amazing thing. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I always think of being surrounded and cut off from the outside. This guy's writing saying, I was surrounded, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. He said, God brought me victory. I was surrounded. Didn't look good. God brought me victory. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, and the Lord helped me. How often do we feel like that? You know, It's not just, not just getting pushed, but I'm losing ground and I'm falling down. And he says, God helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand is always associated with strength. And that exaltation is when well, we raise our hands in victory, right? Yeah, I did this. Yeah, we won. Yeah, you know. He's saying, this is what's gone on for centuries. It's an understood pattern. He says, God's right arm. He's, he's delivered me. Lifted me up. The Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. So he goes, I was in a battle for life, but I'm living. Going to keep living. God is with me. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he's not given me over to death. That's an intriguing verse. Are you willing to acknowledge the Lord's discipline in your life? I had an aha moment some years ago where I was looking at somebody else's life and I'm going, I can see the hand of God here, but man, it's, they're miserable in this moment. Some of, some of the things that they had been very proud of just fell apart. And some of the, you know, they, they, they had allowed themselves to, in a sense, got, get very arrogant over their life situation because everything had been working well. And suddenly it's like the wheels just fell off. And I'm looking at them and going, I kind of saw that coming. And I, and I can see the hand of God in this where there's a humbling coming into their lives. And then there's this moment where I'm going, 
but what about me? Because I'd been, I mean, in pride, we're not willing to admit that anyone else might be right, especially God, right? I mean, when, when pride is driving us, there's a something that just says, I got it together, and I don't need the advice of others, including God. And then when things start to fall apart, it's like, oh, no, how did this happen? I, I don't get it. What, what's going on? Does God love me? You know, <laughs> all of these things, you know, start coming out, but it's everybody else's fault but our own. And, and there's a willingness to just kind of dismiss anything that might touch us where it might be part of our failure. And yet... It's crucial in the Lord to say, maybe some of what's going on in my life right now is completely appropriate because I've been functioning in dysfunction. I've been living in, 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 a, in a pattern that's bound to destruct. And I've kind of been assuming, well, I'm a Christian, so I'll, I, I'll be able to ignore this or just get by without it, you know, dealing with the, these issues. Why is it we can look back at family patterns and say, yeah, I can see that in my family, but it's very difficult to acknowledge it in ourselves, right? You know, we can look at our parents or grandparents or brothers and sisters, and we can see things that the whole family's doing, and yet when it comes, how did I escape that? You know, it's, it's crucial that we humble ourselves enough to be willing to acknowledge that this probably is a part of me too. And Lord, help me to have eyes to see what you're doing in this moment. And if things have continued to fall apart in ways that, that uh, we're going, this happened before and it's happened again and it's happened again, maybe I need to make a change. It's like, it's, trying to, it's like trying to drive your car without ever changing the oil, right? And then wondering, why did that engine not last very long? I'm a Christian. God, don't you love me? I mean, that's a very practical thing, right? But even Christians don't get away without changing their oil in the vehicle. At least most of us. Uh, you know, it's... There's a lot of simple things to life that if we're willing to look at and just acknowledge, there's a wisdom there to be had if we'll take it. In this particular passage, he disciplined me severely. He's not saying he didn't have it coming. He didn't say that it wasn't a good thing. He just said, thankfully, I didn't die. You know, his loving kindness drew a line and said, well, we're not going past that even though this could have brought death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. Give thanks to the Lord. This is a gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. He says there's an open door for me to step into the righteousness of God where I'm going to give thanks. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. 
Again, the Old Testament concept was much wider than just dealing with sin, but it, it dealt with all of life. And, and so in our health, there's a form of salvation. In this sense, when he's talking about the surrounding uh, communities bringing war, he's saying there was a salvation. When we look at every facet of life, there's opportunity for the hand of God to be seen. And so it's good to expand that idea of the saving grace of our God. That yes, he has freed us from our sin and paid the price, but it, it is much more extensive than that as to what's available to us. And then here's the passage. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Well, that's quoted by Jesus, isn't it? And it's, it, it, Jesus uses that of himself. And, and in this particular passage, it's almost as if it's saying the surrounding villages or um, people groups were rejecting Israel, and yet God's chosen it as a cornerstone. And I remind you, for old-style buildings, the cornerstone would have been the first one set. And so that was an important placement because the rest of the building was built off of that. And, and so it's, it's a critical stone. It's, a, it's an important stone. And, and Jesus saying about himself, he says, you know, I am the cornerstone, but now it's Israel that's rejecting him. And yet it's embraced by God. The builder has taken it and said, this is valuable. So Jesus used that quoting out of uh, Psalm 118. Peter takes it just a step further, and, and I'll read for this out of second, uh, 1 Peter 2.4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, as you yourselves are like living stones. So the cornerstone's been set in place, says Jesus Christ. The rest of us are being added to the building to become a place where we can worship God and house his presence. It's a beautiful picture going on. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's another one of those phrases that's probably well said every day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There was an old song that we sang over and over and over years ago. Wore it out. But it was based on this verse. And yet it's a great concept to just grab onto and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray, give us success. Again, let's not be so introspective that we're afraid to ask God for success in what we're doing. And to trust that he's guiding our steps enough that he's going to be honored by the successes that come into our lives. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. In other words, it's a worship scene that's being given. But Jesus, again, when he was entering Jerusalem, remember the people shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Again, this, this Old Testament psalm is being brought into the new. We, we take it and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 28, You're my God, and I will give thanks to you. You're my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's make that a part of our lives. Let's make that a part of our daily declaration. Let's make that a part of when we come together. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Praise to God. Let's think about our situations in this moment. And then let's make a declaration. Your love endures forever. Let's give thanks in all situations to the Lord. What remains is open-ended. Shar said there's a lot of food downstairs, so <laughs> we encourage you to stay. Um, I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy that your love endures forever. I ask as they go into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I ask. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.